Like you were walking on to a yacht You had your, your hat pulled down real strategically over one eye You had a scarf, I think it was apricot Strategically yeah, tipped yeah, yeah, below yeah, one yeah, eye one eye in the mirror As you make sure you had a real cool <laughs> Gavotte Gavotte, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's your It Pod to Be You host, Mish Mather, and this is the Talk Film Society Patreon. Uh, we are going to be doing something special for the summer, a miniseries on Matthew McConaughey and his romantic comedies. Uh, in the 2000s, you know, he did a string of five rom-coms that were uh, well-received financially. A lot of them made a lot of money and were very popular and have become staples on cable television, things like that. Um, but they don't really have the best reputation. And I think that Matthew McConaughey, at least these like five films that he did, kind of contributed to the fact that like romantic comedies fell out of favor for a long time, up until like a couple of years ago when Netflix started to do more rom-coms. Uh, yeah, this is the first episode in this Matthew McConaughey miniseries. And we're talking about The Wedding Planner from 2001 with Jennifer Lopez. And I have with me a very special guest returning from his episode on Broadcast News, Mr. Alex Marcus. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I, uh, I'm i excited to do this because I've been planning it since like, uh, since like the spring. I am glad that you're here with me to talk about The Wedding Planner. <laughs> um, have you seen it before? So I saw this movie once when I was about 12 years old. I saw I rented it right when it came out the first time. I didn't see it in theaters, but for some reason, I th- as most 12-year-old boys were at the time, I was very invested in the narrative of Jennifer Lopez being a movie star. And so I like really wanted to see all of the films that she made, and I was very excited for this one when it came out. Um, I can't say I remember whether I liked it or not. I just remember like going to Blockbuster and, and renting it, and I know that I saw it, but that's sadly as much as I can remember of it. It didn't leave really a lasting impression of me. <laughs> I don't remember much about The Wedding Planner either. I'm pretty sure I saw it similar to you. Like, If not renting it, definitely I watched it on TV a lot. Um, but like, yeah, I kind of forgot almost everything about it until I rewatched it um, last week. So, in your opinion, like, how, like, like, what did you think about the movie now? Like, did you enjoy it, or were you just like, what am I watching? Well, so the first thing that I had completely forgotten about was that she plays an Italian person in the movie, which was a really interesting choice. Um, <laughs> I also very much forgot about the arranged marriage subplot to the whole thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has a reputation, I'll say that, uh, as being a movie that is not very good. And I also feel like on Twitter, maybe three or four years ago, there was this whole thing of like, let's really consider if Matthew McConaughey was a real person and you heard that he left his fiance right before the wedding and married the wedding planner. Like, how would you think about that if it was a real person and not a romantic comedy character? Oh, funny. (laughs) And, like, everybody was like, oh, yeah, that would be awful. That would be terrible. So that was really the freshest thing in my mind about the movie going in. And I have to say it wasn't as awful as I remember it, like, as its reputation, at least, would have you believe. It's certainly not a good movie, but it's fine you know like it's it was there was definitely some things in there that i was very uh 
you know, that I had to kind of suffer through, but they, they made some interesting choices too. Like I really respected the fact that they didn't make the fiance a horrible, terrible person. Like the, it would have been so much easier for this movie if she was just this like bridezilla monster that the audience is rooting for Matthew McConaughey to leave. Uh, and I thought it was pretty surprising that they didn't go that route. Like I had in my head that she was going to be the same kind of character as like the mom in the parent trap uh remake <laughs> the yeah. like the the stepmom that step-mom. was yeah, yeah. Uh, where she's just like this awful person that everybody hates and like you're like why is this wonderful man want to be spend any time with this awful woman and she actually like the the fiance in this movie was like a very nice person and she seemed to really care about him and she had a lot going on in her life outside of him and uh, like it was just it was nice to see that they that they made the movie slightly more complicated by not making her just a one-dimensional villain. Um I can't really say I can't really say there's a lot more compliments that I have outside of that though <laughs> having watched it. What did you think of it watching it now? Well, I kind of wondered if this whole Matthew McConaughey miniseries was a mistake. <laughs> um, I was like, wait. Like, okay, it's okay, the well, here's the thing, like I um, I knew going in that this is like more J Lo Jennifer Lopez's movie than Matthew McConaughey's. Yeah. Um, because I, I, so because I, I, I've, I've always thought of this as a Jennifer Lopez movie, and I feel like Matthew McConaughey could have just been interchanged, you know, with anyone else that was popular at the time, like your, um, I don't know, like Josh Hartnett's or whatever. Like he could just like be a exchange for anyone else um it's funny like i didn't really have those thoughts of like how horrible he is as a person like if you like take it out of the movie because i guess like when you're in the movie like nothing about it really seems all that unnatural the only part that i felt was like really weird was how um he kind of blamed her for flirting with him after (laughs) after jennifer lopez finds out that he's engaged and she's like um that's messed up he's like well you know like I'm a guy, like, that's what single guys do, and, like, it's your... F- I don't know, it was, it was a weird conversation, and I was like, that's the only part of the movie that I'm finding really hard to swallow, you know, in <laughs> yeah. 18 years later. And I think it's one of those things where, like, in that moment, he's clearly supposed to be kind of being a dick about it, like, you're... Because he yeah. later apologizes for the way that he talks to her in that, but even still, it really is just like, what? Like, what are you... Like, you're engaged. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you're getting married in three months. Why are you yeah, going on a date yeah. with this woman? Like, the fr- when she asked you out, the first thing you should have done was say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm engaged. Like, it was very nice meeting you and saving your life. Uh, you know, like, it's like, no, like, that's really weird that he would even try to be defensive about that choice. Uh, and I, I really didn't <laughs> feel much of a connection between them. I, I mean, like I did, like they, you know, had their like romantic, you know, thing, you know, with the outdoor, you know, movie screening and stuff and the dancing. But like other than that, I did not feel like it was anything special that he would like upend his entire life for her. Um, yeah. Or even, like would consider it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like you really need to believe that these people have just an incredible undeniable connection that kind of changes their lives in order for this plot to really work and that's definitely not the case what i think they do do is like they're very they're very cute together and they both are actors that have a lot of charisma and screen presence and and they're both incredibly attractive so you would believe that they would maybe hit it off and want to see where things would go but 
in a different context. You know, like if it was they just happened, like if there was no, if she, if he wasn't engaged to be married and she, he just saw her and they had this meeting like that, you could kind of see them have this kind of cute, like, you know, early on romance. But what they need is for him to really want to radically change everything that he knows about himself because of this undeniable connection. And that's definitely not there at all. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I so I want to talk a little, about, a little bit about Matthew McConaughey um, as as like an actor and as a movie star uh, because I find it really interesting that he's even in this movie. Um, you know, up until this point, like, of course, he had done films like Days and Confuse, Amistad, Contact, Ed TV, Angels in the Outfield, um, A Time to Kill, and so he had been building this like reputation, I guess, of these like really like serious roles and very just like um he was like kind of reliable as like a solid actor um that could like do well in a variety of genres and but like this is his first film that's like really a traditional romantic comedy or at least that i can remember i mean i don't think he's had any like major romantic comedy roles before this and so i feel like you know and when he's like at that level of fame especially in this like late 90s you know, early 2000s era, doing a romantic comedy is just a good way to, like, A, make some money, you know, this movie is, like, almost a guaranteed hit because, you know, Jennifer Lopez is such a, like, famous star and she brings in a big audience and it's, like, a movie that, like, will attract, you know, a certain part of the audience. So I feel like he hadn't really exploited his angle as being, like, a heartthrob. So with him doing this role... And then I guess because like this movie was so successful, he just like kept doing these while also like doing more like smaller projects on the side. But it takes him almost an entire decade to brush off the like stigma of doing these like studio rom coms. I mean, it's not until like 2012 when he does The Lincoln Lawyer and Magic Mike that he can really, um, you know, start to be taken seriously again. Yeah. Well, and I think, so I think it made sense at the time for him to make this move because he, by the time that he makes The Wedding Planner, he has almost a decade in Hollywood as, as really just building up this bona fide movie star status. And especially in a po, in a pre, you know, superhero world, the, this was one of the few ways that you could really cash in on being a superstar as a movie, uh, on being a movie star. And so it would make sense that you would go in this way, especially he's an incredibly charismatic performer. He's extremely attractive. He's right at that age where like, uh, he can play an adult professional person in a movie instead of like a younger kind of person. So if he's in a rom-com, it's going to be more geared towards general audiences. It's not going to be kind of like a coming of age kind of story. Like, you know, he's a doctor in this movie. He's an adult. And so I think it makes sense why he would try to flex his movie star muscle by doing this. But I think that it's an interesting movie for him to start out on by like, it's an interesting place for him to begin his rom-com career because of how ill-fitted this part is for him as a performer I think like I don't right. know but I don't know about you but one of the things that jumped out at me the most was how it just feels like he's taking his natural charisma and just dialing it down from like it's usually an eight and he's dialing it all the way down to a three for most of this movie yeah yeah I think that's a great that's a great point because I found him so dull in this movie and I felt like he was also dragging down Jennifer Lopez who I think is a very charismatic you know lively presence like I think she 
like I don't think Jennifer Lopez is the most like versatile, talented actress, but like I think what she does well, she does exceedingly well, and she can really like command your attention. But like in this movie, which is like her, this is like her wheelhouse, I and mean, this is like. I mean, at this point and in the next couple of years, she'd be doing these roles in her sleep, but it's like, why is she so dull in this movie? And it's like, because he has no, none of his like Southern, you know, like dazed and confused charm is there. Like, where was it? Yeah, like, I think that she is significantly better in scenes with Judy Greer than she is in yeah, scenes with Matthew McConaughey. Because Judy Greer is just, like, giving her so much to work with, and Matthew McConaughey yeah. is just kind of, like, there. Which is crazy, because all he has to do in this movie is be charming and, like, undeniably attractive, and he definitely is that in real life, and he's been that in plenty of movies. <laughs> so it's just weird to see it dialed all the way back. Like, he's hiding behind those glasses for almost the majority of the movie for some reason and I don't it's clearly a choice and I don't really get whatever whatever reason he went in that direction it definitely doesn't work for the film yeah yeah and like I wonder I mean this movie um this movie was like a um I think like one one interesting thing about this movie and like how it kind of relates to um like, the rest of Matthew McConaughey's kind of rom-com career, the next, like, four movies he's done, with, um, How Does the Guy in 10 Days, Failure to Launch, Fool's Gold, and Ghost of Girlfriend's Past, like, I think you can, <clears throat> I, I feel like he's, he looks so bored in this movie, like, he feels so, like, like, just, uh, just, like, completely out of focus, like, whatever, he has no clue what's happening, and I think it's just because, like, he's probably used to being the, like, protagonist or being, like, if not the lead, then definitely, like, an interesting, like, character. And because in this movie, like, you're right, like, all he has to do is just, like, be, like, bland and handsome, whatever. He's just, like, not into it. And you can see, like, with the next four movies, it becomes, like, more and more of a Matthew McConaughey movie. And he becomes, like, he starts to, like, lean into his, like, persona more and more that, like, by the time you get to you know, um, like, Fool's Gold or whatever. It's, like, he's, like, fully parodying himself. <laughs> and then it's not really until, like, Bernie and Magic Mike that he can parody himself, but, like, in an effective way, not just, like, being a character. He starts acting again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think with this movie being, like, a Jennifer Lopez vehicle, first and foremost, like, you can just tell that he's just, like, z- zoned out. Yeah, and I mean, it's not entirely his fault. It's not like there's a lot on the page for him to work with. Like, I was thinking, if this movie was made now, who would you get to star in this role? And I was thinking, like, you could put any of the Chris's in there, and they would all work equally as well. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> there's just nothing to that role. It's just, he's a doctor, and he's, like, super nice, and he's super good with kids, and he just seems like the perfect guy, but he's also kind of like not happy in a relationship that he's in because of inertia and then this woman comes and is just like hey this is an exciting new thing and that's pretty much it that's like all the characterization that he gets in the movie so you it just it's a really bland role and he's the type of performer who can really elevate a role like that and he just completely chooses not to yeah it's just it's an interesting case study and like an actor just like being totally uninterested in doing anything with this role. Um, because, yeah, you're right. Like, I feel like 
there, I mean, I, there's some kind of actors who could like look at a role like this and just make it like, you know, more interesting, like more fun to even like for him to play. Like, I get it. Yeah, this role, there's not much to it. He's just like the guy. Um, but like, I don't, I don't see why like a Chris Hemsworth like couldn't make it into something really quirky and funny and like memorable. You know, like it's it's especially strange because everyone else in this movie is so big and broad like these yeah. performances are really really big performances <laughs> like jennifer lopez most of the time when she like she goes into these comedic like bits where it feels like she's trying her best in an snl sketch yeah yeah <laughs> and then all of the side characters are just like at 11 the whole time <laughs> like justin chambers oh my god with that <laughs> with that interesting italian accent of his uh <laughs> but and then there's just matthew McConaughey who's just like standing in the middle of all of it just being like yeah i'm here and i'm handsome uh let me know when you want me to do something <laughs> Right, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, the supporting cast is really great. I mean, you have uh, Justin Chambers, as you mentioned, uh, Bridget Wilson-Sampras as the fiancé Fran, Judy Greer, we mentioned, Alex Rocco, Joanna Gleason, um, Kevin Pollock, Fred Willard, Lou Myers, Kathy and Jimmy. I mean, you have all these people who are just, like, pros at this kind of stuff, and they're playing... Um, yeah, they get to be, like, really kind of quirky supporting characters, and they're like infinitely more interesting to watch. Um, but like, what did you think about this whole like arranged marriage thing with, um, you know, J- with Jennifer Lopez, like actually considering just doing it because uh, she has like no other options. I, guess. <laughs> I mean, it was really sad. Like, it's really sad to think this woman who's incredibly attractive and incredibly accomplished living in a major city like San Francisco feels like she has literally no options romantically. So she has to just marry this random guy who she knew when she was eight, who her father just picked out of a lineup, basically. (laughs) He's like, marry my daughter. Like, it's just, if that's what she really believes she's worth, it's, it's an incredible, it's, it's much sadder and kind of pathetic than I think the movie means for it to be, (laughs) because it just is insane that there's like no other options, but these two men like yeah, why yeah well you know it's funny you bring that up because like one okay like there's always that criticism about like romantic comedies um that's like oh like it's so hard to believe that the you know the lead actress can't find anyone she's so beautiful or whatever and i'm like yeah i guess but like there's oh like i feel like you know the good movies at least or like um well, like, the good movies are, like... I think there's always a... Um, there's always, like, an in-story in reason why it's that way. And, like, with Jennifer Lopez, like, yeah, I'm sure technically if she went to, like, a bar or a cafe, like, she would have, like, men just, like, falling over themselves to, like, ask her out. Because, like, she's just so glamorous and charismatic and beautiful, funny, whatever. But I think, like, you're right. Like, there's something, like... Um, something like inside her that just makes her um like that makes that part of her brain that would even like know to seek that out just like turn off and like i wonder if maybe it's just because like she's just she's so close to weddings that like she's kind of turned off by it maybe or maybe she just like she always like she mentions like how she looked at her parents as like the perfect love story so maybe she's like she's measuring everything up to that and everything falls because she's like um putting putting her parents on a pedestal you know that's very underdeveloped in that in the movie though i feel like they could have done that they could have made it a much stronger 
aspect of her character to have her either be like this person who holds her parents up and on this pedestal or this person who has been around so many failed marriages because of what she does that she's just cynical and jaded about the whole thing yeah i mean one thing that i really liked about this movie is when she's like i can predict when a wedding is going to fail by like the day which i thought i thought was a really funny yeah line and a cool character trait that i wish had been like explored more yeah, I would have liked that a lot if they had if they had expanded on that more and in her yeah. actual like there's a scene where he's she's with her dad and her dad is telling her like the truth about how th- her parents got together and he says like I wish that I had told you this sooner because then you may feel differently about love and she turns to him and she says I don't feel anything about love and I really believe that and I feel like that's a yeah. mistake like I think she needs to feel some way about love like yeah, regard like just make a choice <laughs> yeah if I, if I recall correctly the scene ends and I'm like that's such a weird way to end the scene because that is a like drastic thing for a romantic comedy heroine to say yeah and like it's not examined at all and yeah like there's so many ways a movie like this could work i mean um the premise of it is so like i mean it's such a like it's like that perfect middle ground between like high concept and low concept of like yeah wedding planner who falls in love with the groom of her clients like that sounds great like let's watch it but then this movie just completely drops the ball on exploring that and making an, an interesting thing about like the like the wedding industry or arranged marriages or you know whatever, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like this movie really. I don't think this movie was as funny as I, you know, should no, have been. <laughs> no, it was not. I mean, the 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 score certainly tried to make you think it was though. I it was working yeah. like triple time. Anytime anything even remotely funny was happening on screen, you had that kind of like zany like kind of like Danny Elfman-esque music in the background like okay, I get it. Yeah. She's crawling on the floor. This is supposed to be hilarious. Okay, I got it. Like relax. <laughs> Which... like, oh, she's drunk and this is it's so funny, but yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. I feel like, um, like we, like you were saying earlier that like Judy Greer and Jennifer Lopez, like they had that kind of like zippy kind of screwball chemistry that you want from like a best friend character. Yeah, like, Judy Greer. I mean, she could. I feel like this is probably one of the first ones like that she did, and it was just like you could just tell she's a pro at this kind of thing. She's so good. She's so funny. Well, one of the things that jumped out to me as I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, right, that's what, like, these movies were really good at, is just, it would give you an excuse to see these funny people just do a, like, do a thing for five or ten minutes on screen. Like, we don't really have movies like that anymore. I mean, rom-coms are starting to come back a little bit, but even the rom-coms that we get, for the most part, are, like, more tightly focused. It wasn't like, oh, here's this really funny person, we're just gonna give over five minutes of our movie to them, and then they're gonna leave and go do something else. Like, we don't get that anymore in movies and it's a real shame because that was really fun to just see all of these really really talented comedic actors just get to do a bit and then move on to the next scene yeah i know i mean like watching the watching this movie has been like such a like throwback to like like there's a very specific like kind of romantic comedy like we're like you were just saying like and like they just don't get made like that anymore like even like now we have stuff like you know, the Crazy Rich Asians or, like, The Big Sick. Like, there's something... Even, like, the... Um, even, like, a Love, Simon. Like, it's just, like, different. It's just, like, a different era. And, um, yeah, like, I really... I Even though I didn't enjoy this movie and was kind of, like... 
annoyed by it for the most part of it. When it was over, I was like, you know what? That was actually like satisfying in a weird way because it's such a like throwback to like these like studio programmers where you can just like plug in like you know a funny actress, a hot guy, you know, some quirky character actors, a you know score that tries too hard and some bright colors and you just got you got a good movie that you could just watch and enjoy even if it's like bad yeah and throw like 50 million dollars on the screen like this movie (laughs) had to have been so expensive that was another thing because a lot of the movies that we get now that are more rom-com-esque it's like you know you're mostly in a couple of in a a couple of sets and you get a couple of exterior shots here and there this one it's like oh we're they clearly just like shut down this vineyard for a week to shoot this a couple of scenes that could have been shot anywhere but it looks great and it's really it's like oh man like it's it's too bad that we don't have enough things now that get to have this kind of scale um to tell a story like this because it was it you know but i think this movie is kind of why in a lot of ways like they just stopped caring about how good they were for a long time and and then eventually the audience left them because it's just yeah. you know like I- yeah i mean <laughs> qu- yeah it's like as much as we think that like audiences go for like whatever like i do think quality matters on some basic level and um yeah like once movies like this start to become like unbearably bad then yeah like the audience is just left so i want to play a game with you not really oh. a game Okay. But like, I just want to ask, like, just see if you can like guess something. So, do you? Okay, you said that you thought the budget was fifty million. Uh, yeah, I would say like around that is my guess. Okay, so it was actually thirty-five million. Oh wow. Okay. Um. Now, do you? Okay, do you want to guess how much it made in uh, North America? Like total. opening weekend or total? Total. Or either one, whichever you find interesting. To okay, about. so well, so this is two thousand and two, two thousand one. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna say it opened at like sixty million, and it made a hundred fifty. Okay, you're uh kind of close, I guess. So opening weekend, <laughs> it made fourteen million dollars. Oh no! <laughs> okay. Um, and ended up making about sixty million in the in North America. Oh, with I was not close. 30, um, <laughs> additional thirty-four million um, uh, worldwide in the foreign territories. So wow. that, like ninety-five total. So it actually wasn't as big a hit as like we thought. I, I mean, it doubled its crazy. budget and then some. But um, I remember it being such a big thing when it came out i think it became big like on dvd and cable like i think that's when like like movies like this i think they just like they got bought by cable stations and then (laughs) they just were played all the time wow that's crazy yeah and um here were the movies that kate were in the box office um the weekend uh the wedding planner came out it's uh january 26 2001 oh well uh, if you so had what, told me it was, was a january number, release yeah that, january, that would have tipped me like, off a little bit <laughs> I, I think if it, had, if it had been released on valentine's day weekend like whatever that time is i think you would be right like it would it would have done much better business had it come out on valentine's day um, so the wedding planner will open to number one. Um, then we have Save the Last Dance Ooh, was number two. Castaway number three. Okay. Um, Traffic number four, and then something called Sugar and Spice. Oh yeah, five. you don't know Sugar and Spice? I don't 
thinks wait are you being funny or is this like a cult no it's a it's totally a cult classic it's about like a bunch of teeny uh like cheerleaders in high school who like who like go bad and uh like rob banks and stuff i'm pretty sure i (laughs) see yeah i see james marsden's in it yeah it was part it was like uh the late era of the teen comedies uh oh wow um, well, I gotta gotta check it out. Um, but yeah, that's a crazy top five. Yeah, um, I I th- I think it's interesting that Matthew McConaughey went on to do four more romantic comedies. Like, I feel like he didn't didn't seem to enjoy doing this one, at least from what I could tell from on the screen. Although I'm sure he liked the money. Um, and of course, the next one he would do is like my favorite of the of the group. How to lose a guy in ten days. Was that a big success? That yeah, that was huge. That was a big okay. big hit. But I think a lot of that has to do with Kate Hudson, right? Um, who I she think was... is like secretly a great actress that like no one seems to know that. <laughs> um, but uh, so what's funny now is that like it took Beth McConaughey ten years to like become a serious actor again, and then almost immediately after he became one, he kind of like becomes a joke again. Like I mean, now he has like Serenity and. Like Free State of Jones and like oh, I don't know oh what God. else. What, the, what's the one that like the, the Suicide Forest one that he did? Oh, like, I don't. Um, with uh, I think it's a Gus Van Sant movie. Oh Forest. oh, Sea of Trees. Sea of Trees. Yeah. Yeah yeah, not good. So like um, <laughs> I think that like his I mean I think he I think he's like fine like he'll like if, as soon as he does another prestige project like everyone will love him again. But like, well, like, well, um, at least that's my opinion, Matthew McConaughey. Like, what, what are your thoughts on him, like, right now in well, this like post, you know, True Detective era? So I think that he's a really talented performer who just maybe isn't good at picking projects. Like, yeah. I, we run into people like that sometimes, and sure. and it's always a, and it's always a shame because you're like, what? And and of those types of performers, I think he is so talented that the second that he like happens onto a good project, everybody just is willing to forget all of the crap that he's made because they just want to like him. And they're, yeah, right. <laughs> and so I feel like we're just in this now little bit of a downturn. And it'll be interesting to see if he can if he could pick it back up again. I mean, I keep wondering. You know, he was supposed to be for a long time. They really wanted him in Guardians of the Galaxy too, as Chris Pratt. Dad, and that of course that role oh, ends up wow. going to Kurt Russell. But that was that was they pitched Matthew McConaughey hard for that, and he just eventually decided that he didn't want to be part of the whole Marvel thing. Yeah, but like I mean, that's obviously a one and done. Like that's like I mean, I don't think Kurt Russell's going to come back. No, yeah, I know, but I think it's a big commitment in terms of like press availability and sure, stuff, like yeah, for the yeah. I mean, and reshoots, year. and yeah, so it's yeah. like a. More than a year. I, yeah, so like you can understand why that would scare him off, but I feel like if he had a big, if he was in something like that, giving that type of performance in a movie like that, that would have really helped give him an extra couple of years that he could then kind of cruise on yeah. again. Yeah, or get back to work with like a Scorsese or a Christopher Nolan. Like, I'd love to see like another Interstellar type, you know, sci-fi epic. Yeah, yeah, that would be um, cool because that really he got to really flex a totally yeah, different was, kind of muscle really, in Interstellar. I think that's his like last great performance. I'm trying to think of the timeline of like because I know like Dallas Buyers Club and then he wins the Oscar f- um, and and the Emmy and that's like right after that and then yeah Interstellar I think was the end of 2014. So I think that's like uh, yeah I think that was the last like the last big one if I can recall correctly. Well, I mean, you're forgetting the Dark Tower, of course. Oh, I mean, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, wait, did you did you see Serenity? 
I didn't. I missed it in theaters, but I did have the the story spoiled for me, and it sounds bananas. <laughs> I mean, I will maintain that I'm sure that we looked that looked great on paper. Because, like, I feel like when you can, like, conceptually think about it, like, it sounds kind of cool and, like, wacky and stuff. But then, like, I guess when you actually, like, like, it's a good spec script that you, like, use to, like, sell, like, you like you as a name. But it, like, doesn't right. actually get made. Yeah, it's, like, a classic kind of, like, oh, man, this guy, he wrote this story, and it's so cool, and, and it's such a shame that we never get to see it and stuff. Yeah. It's, like, sometimes it's better not to see those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, like, I mean, if they had just kept it as, like, this, like, kind of soapy, trashy noir thing, like, that'd be really cool. Because um, like that's how they sold it in the trailer. It just says like a you know film noir kind of send up. It's like kind of like over the top, but like sexy, whatever. Yeah, um, like I'd but, love to see Anne Hathaway in in that movie. <laughs> I mean, like the the craziest thing is that they're supposed to be playing people who graduated high school the same year, <laughs> even though she's like I don't know, must be like fifteen years younger than he is. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, my that's like, my favorite thing. Like, Anne Hathaway is a great actress, but she cannot play like fifty. <laughs> Well, that's like, in, speaking of rom-coms, in Longshot, where uh, where Seth Rogen is supposed to be, like, his best friend in the movie is a full decade younger than him, and he they went to college together, apparently. Oh my god, it's crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That's, that's my favorite thing that happens in movies. It's like, do you really, you really expect us to just believe this? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't really have much more to say about The Wedding Planner. Um, do you have anything you want to bring up before we finish? Uh, not particularly, just that, like, I feel like we have undersold how completely insane the arranged marriage subplot is of this movie, and how completely unnecessary it is. <laughs> like, yeah. there's multiple times, like, this story works uh, if she's just this person who is trying to decide whether to end, like, to get in between these people who are about to get married. Like, she doesn't also need to have this crazy subplot where, like, her dad really wants her to get involved in with this person. And then the way that the movie plays it constantly, like, undermines what's interesting about the the primary arc, where, like, his, like, the, this guy that Justin Chambers plays shows up when she's working, and he's like, oh, we're engaged, and they're not engaged, and instead of her being like, oh, sorry, this is just, like, this crazy person, or, like, <laughs> she just, yeah. she's like, yeah, I'm engaged, and, and we literally saw in the, in the scene before that scene, she's in the car with the couple, and the fiance, like the the female, like the like Matthew McConaughey's fiance in the movie, has this whole conversation about how like, oh, it's such a shame that that guy that you were seeing it didn't work out, and yeah, yeah, and then the very next scene, like she has a fiance and she's not like, wait, what? <laughs> you just said that you met this person and you fell in love and then you broke up and you had a fiance this whole time. That's weird. Like no, at no point is that even brought up. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's so... And, like, can I ask, like, where was the ticking clock that, like, she had to get married by the end? Like, I don't understand why the dad was so helping that she had to get married, like, at, in this time period. Like, yeah. I don't let her live a little. Yeah, like, but at least, like... The biggest like, wedding of her career. <laughs> like, maybe if they had made... Like, this would be very, like, soapy and, and hokey, but at least it would have had some sort of internal, like, consistent logic. Like, if the dad was dying, right? Like, if yeah, he has, yeah. Like, and then it's like, I just want you to be happy. I want you to have what me and your mother had. Please, before I die, can I see you marry this nice boy? And then, like, okay, yeah, then you understand. Exactly. It's soapy, but I think it would have worked. <laughs> it would have worked better than what they did, which is just... Yeah, which is like, he ran into him. Married, 
period right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, there's no reason why this happened now versus literally any point in the last six years since she broke up with her boyfriend. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> And then it well, and then it I, just and it undermines it undermines what's interesting about the conflict between her and Matthew McConaughey in the second act of the movie because then he's like, well, wait, if you're also engaged, then why are you giving me such a hard time that I went on a date with you? And instead of yeah. her being like, well, I'm not actually engaged, she's just like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like what? <laughs> and then all of the dramatic tension just gets like let out, like you just released a balloon yeah. or something, and it's just, uh, it really, yeah. really hurts the movie in totally unnecessary ways well i appreciate um a that you watched it and b that you came on this podcast to talk about it with me <laughs> yeah uh, thank you thank you so much i really appreciate it um where can people find you online well so i'm a host on the cinema joe's podcast where we talk about a, a recent release every every week and then talk about a wider then we have a wider discussion about uh, th- trends going on in the movie industry. Uh, and so you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever you uh, look for wherever you look for podcasts. Uh, and you can also follow our show on uh, at Cinema Joe's on Twitter. And you can follow me personally at Media Thinkings on Twitter. Yep. And you guys are Patreon subscribers. You know where to find me. So thanks for listening. Thanks for contributing to the Patreon. And I say, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Uh, say just keep living, huh? Thank you. Mm-hmm.